Let's open up our Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And uh, we're going to read a ver- couple verses here to get started before we read those verses. I just want to say that like this particular part of Scripture, um, I love. This is Paul's writing this letter to the church and the leaders uh, in Philippi. And I love this, this letter, and I really particularly love the way he sort of wraps this thing up in these verses that we're going to read. Because how many people know at the end of any kind of letter, any kind of speech, you always have like your big close, right? Where you kind of bring things together. You kind of like put the finishing touches on. And that's the way that this these verses have always been for me when Paul writes this. As he goes through, he gives a lot of great exhortation and, and instruction to the church leaders and really builds them up in this letter of Philippians. And then he, he kind of gets into these verses where he, he sort of wraps it up and he adds some things on top. Where, as you'll see, he begins by saying, finally, brethren, do these things. And so if you study like finally, he means furthermore, in addition to kind of like, hey, on top of all this stuff I've said, be sure that you add these next few things here to that. And then that just kind of completes his letter as he closes this thing out. And what he talks about is he talks about, let's just read it in verse 8. He says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Meditate or think deeply and think often on these things. Lord, we just come to you today hungry for your hungry for for you, God, to reveal things to us that are going to change our lives. I ask you to just anoint me to speak your truth today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So I want to talk to you today about a lifestyle of faith. A lifestyle of faith. And, you know, faith, not just the idea or the definition of faith or kind of the, the sense of uh, what faith means, but, but more of a lifestyle of faith. Now, listen to this. This is out of the business dictionary. The definition of a lifestyle is a way of living for individuals, families, or households or societies, which they manifest in coping with their physical, psychological, social, and economic environments on a day-to-day basis. And so I just have this strong belief, and, and just this thing resonates with me, that really... You know, faith is the way that the Bible lays it out. Faith is meant to be the way we actually live. It's supposed to be a lifestyle. It's an active type of thing. It's an effective type of thing. It's not an idle thing or it's not a thing that we kind of come to from time to time. It's something that's meant to be active and operative in our everyday lives. When you read this definition of lifestyle, it says it's basically kind of like a way that people would respond or deal with or act on all of the different matters and things that pertain to their life, right? Whether it's in your career, whether it's in your family, whether it's with your health, go on and on and on, that there's somehow for a believer, no matter what's going on, whether they're dealing with trouble, uh, difficult things, or they're celebrating great victories, whatever it is, that somehow the idea of our faith being active and being applied to the situation is something that we're always called to be doing, right? So a faith lifestyle is really what, as a pastor, I 
just pray hard, like to cultivate this in my own life, where every day, even though I might not always want to need to do this because sometimes there's difficult things that come to us, but every day I really need to see my faith in action. I really need to live in a way where every day my faith is affecting the outcome of things that are happening in my life, whether it's my parenting, whether it's me being such a great husband like I normally am, or whether it's just anything and everything that's going on. That it, my, Something is required from my faith, right? There's, there's a demand that really is being placed on, if you look at it objectively, the life that we're called to live, the purpose, the destiny that we have, that there's a demand that really is ought to be and is placed on our faith to be active and operative towards those things. But it isn't necessarily the case that our faith is always applied. Sometimes we go along and we just respond naturally or with our own, you know, thoughts or with our own abilities. And sometimes faith is just kind of not applied to the situation. I know I'm, you know, we're all guilty of that. But I'm just submitting to you today that we are called to have a lifestyle to live in a way where faith is always something that's active now, according to experts, so to speak, whatever, there are uh, some different kinds of lifestyles that people live. So just to give you a little bit of an explanation to kind of get your thoughts going on this in the direction where we kind of open things up today. Maybe you fit into one of these categories. This certainly, I wouldn't say, is an exhaustive list where these are the only kind of lifestyles that people live. But just this is interesting. The, one of the first kind of lifestyles is a gamer. Gamer. That's somebody that kind of lives their life online. Yeah, and that's their lifestyle. I mean, everything that they do, they just they sort of live it online. They're usually very intelligent and bright people intellectually. Uh, they're always attracted to the next new game. They're stimulated by you know, any kind of a challenge that comes along through the online world type of deal. Gamers. Next is a, uh, a passionate practitioner. Passionate pa- practitioner. This is not a by the way, hopefully you figured that out, but this is just interesting stuff. A passionate pra- practitioner is someone that does something that they love and that they would do for free. Oftentimes, it's a, a blogger or a speaker or somebody that's using a unique gift or skill set or talent, people that are into health and wellness or nonprofits. It's just they, they, they figured out a way to do something they love, and, and they're able to actually generate uh, uh, income, and they kind of live their lifestyle out of that area. Next is an entrepreneur. Entrepreneur is someone that's always growing, always focused on growing something, scaling the size, starting something new. They, they figure out a way to involve family, friends, and, and just all kinds of things in that area uh, to make it fun. And they can figure out a way to monetize almost any area, anything. If, it's, if it can be done, they can figure out a way to do it and make a business out of it and actually generate money off of it. Thus, live in that lifestyle. The next one is the naturalist or natural. Someone that has the ability to kind of adapt to whatever culture that they're in. They don't get stuck in things that they grew up with or were taught, but they have the ability to just look at their surrounding area, the surrounding culture, and they can pretty well almost acclimate anywhere, whether it's through relationships, making money, language, and so on. They just love and appreciate the surroundings and the environment that they're in. And then the last one is a tourist, probably the one that everybody's going to think is the most exciting. That's the unlimited world travel experience, right? These are the people that cash it all in, and they just travel. They're constantly parlaying one living experience into the next one, right? That's what, yeah, Katie's all like, yeah, let's do this. But they, they, they sell everything. I was just reading in this book, it was interesting, this, this family, they sold everything, including their house, and then they, they used some of that money to buy a yacht, and then they did like a 12-month 
traveled around the world, stopping at different locations and islands. And they took their kids out of school for that year, and then they homeschooled them for that year. And then they just they did that. And then like after they were finished, they went to I don't know some place in Spain, and then bought like a little flatter apartment. And it's just kind of like the world travel experience. So there's all these different like lifestyles, right? I don't know which one many of you fit into, but the idea that I want to build on today is that aside from all of this stuff, really, as a believer, as someone who has the Spirit of God living in them, who is called to some higher, greater purpose to affect and impact and change the world for Christ, to help build the kingdom, that we are really called to live a faith lifestyle, a faith lifestyle, where our faith is always operative, it's always working, and it's always a part of everything that's happening in our everyday lives, big, small, everything alike. Now, when you look at a lifestyle, I'm going to kind of back this off and, and say, how is a lifestyle developed? How do we get to a point where we're, we're actually living in a lifestyle? So I want to walk you through a few things. I, I remember studying on this uh, years ago, and it's always really stuck with me. I think it's a great way to see how uh, a lifestyle is formed and, and built and developed over years and years and years. And so the first thing that you start with is you start with a belief system, right? Everybody has like a belief system. Let's put that slide up here, Jake. So we got a belief system, which is kind of like the lens you see the world through. It's oftentimes what you've been brought up to believe about culture, the world, and just different types of things. And so this belief system gets kind of rooted and established as sort of a foundation of how everything that someone sees the world through, it begins to shape. So for example, uh, if, a, if a child was brought up to say, you know what, you can do anything that you want to do. And they receive that belief system they, that becomes their, forms their belief system. Oftentimes, they start to talk about how they want to be like an astronaut or they want to be a president or they want to do all these things, right? But if, if the belief system, it starts to kind of get broke down or they, as they get older, things are introduced like, well, you can't really do anything you want. Well, let's be realistic. Well, there are limitations to things. All of a sudden, they stop talking as much about being that astronaut or being the president or whatever because they stop thinking about it as much because the belief system is starting to change. So the belief system is where it all begins. We all kind of have one. It's formed. It's underneath on the foundational level of everything uh, that sort of guides our thoughts. But what your belief system does is it influences the next one, which is your thoughts. Experts say, this is according to the National Science Foundation, that each person, give or take, has about 50,000 original thoughts a day. Isn't that interesting? Much of it's on the subconscious level, like when you're sleeping and different things like that. So you know, your brain is always working, right? It never actually stops. It's always moving forward. But they say you have about 50,000 thoughts a day. Now, that's a lot of thoughts, but those thoughts are, are really kind of flowing out of getting at here is this under this belief system that's essentially formed that we all have in place, right? The quality of our thinking and the types of thoughts we have, the way we possibilitize or don't possibilitize has a lot to do with what that underlying belief system that we're holding to says. Now, as we think and we have all these thoughts, these 50, some of you are like, I don't think that much. I am not that much of a thinker, you know? I know my wife says, you just like stare into space and like, where are you? You know, I'm thinking, I'm just having thoughts, all kinds of thousands of thoughts, right? So your thoughts, 
as you as you have all these thoughts, they influence the next thing, which is your actions. Your actions. So a lot of times it's just what you're thinking about. It tends to overflow. It flows out into the decisions that you make, the things you do, how you spend your time, what you avoid, and what you draw toward. Right? All the thoughts that are happening are basically influencing and directing the actions that we have. Many times, the actions that people are are performing are always going to be in line with the thoughts that they're having. You show me something, someone that is. You know, doing a lot of great things in the area of, I don't know, let's say helping homeless people or whatever. I guarantee you that most of the days, a lot of times, they're thinking about that stuff. They're thinking about how to help homeless people, right? Whatever it is that your passion is, if you're in a position where you're able to use your passion in your career, like let's say graphic design or something like that, chances are you're thinking about that stuff throughout the day a lot. So it flows over into the actions. Now, actions repeated over and over, so bear with me here, eventually lead to habits. Habits, where we start to do things more out of a reaction mode. It's just like we just respond that way. It's kind of like we've done those actions enough to where now we form habits and we automatically react that way. For example, I have so many actions where I've I've just responded so pleasantly to my wife that now it's a habit. Like when she says something mean or, you know, kind of really challenging, I'm just like out of reaction mode, very pleasant, very nice. I mean, right? Like, wow, he's such a great guy. How does he do that? So it's just a habit. It's just a habit. Yeah, practice. A lot of actions, a lot of thoughts, you know, leading into that. It's my belief system. It's all in my belief system. So, so, then, and so then your habits over a period of years, guys, look, informs your lifestyle. You guys like that? That's good stuff. So... Your habits ultimately lead to your lifestyle. Habits that we continue to uh, reenact or just perform over and over, day in and day out. Eventually, over months and then years, you start to see a lifestyle build and develop. Now, what I'm getting at is that we want to back up. We want to live a lifestyle of faith. A lifestyle of faith. This habits, it's not like... We just, it's habit, like something happens and it's just our faith, boom, comes to the comes to bat at the plate, steps up, put me in the game. My faith is ready to be active in this given situation, whatever it might be. Car broke down. Hey, my faith, there's a place here. I, my faith needs to be acting, acting and operating here, right? No weapon formed against me, show proper. This isn't going to discourage me. This isn't going to get me depressed or down and out or rob me of my joy today. That takes faith to respond that way. But we don't want to just have to like, get real, like, uh, you know, like, stop and have to figure it out. Like, I want faith to be an automatic response. I want it to be a lifestyle. I want it to be something that's always happening and active and operative in my life, right? I see my kids do something really, really awesome. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me the ability to instill these values in these kids and that they're seeing you, right? I know and I believe that you are leading me and guiding me to raise them up strong. Celebrating victories, facing challenges, our faith is always going to have a but we have to look, take a kind of go back from the, where the lifestyle is and go back to the beginning of this thing, which is where the belief system and the thoughts are happening. And if we can get our thoughts to start getting in line in the area that we need them to, then our actions and our habits will start to follow in line. And so picking back up in this original scripture that we started with, that's what Paul is talking about here. He's saying meditate on these things. Now, 
I'm just going to touch on these a little bit because I think it's worth breaking down the stuff that he lists off. Right? He says, all of these things I want you to think on and I want you to think deeply on them and I want you to think often on them. He says, first of all, anything that's noble, which is worthy of awe and adoration. Have you ever stopped and just look at creation? I mean, anywhere we go, you can look around and you can just see the beauty of God's creation whether it's in the stars, whether it's in the sky, whether it's in the, the, the mountains or anything, the hillside. There's, there's creation all around us, and it's beautiful in every, every form, right? Even if you look at it closely or from a distance, the sunset, or even looking up close at just the way that the blades of grass blow in the wind. Just anything. It's like, wow, that's amazing. So to stop and think and think deeply on stuff like that, what it does is it begins to influence our thoughts. It begins to kind of get a hold of and permeate through into that area, which is our belief system, right? We start to uh, we start to see that our thoughts, the more we think and think deeply on things that are noble or just or pure or lovely, lovely worth of worth effort of having, recognizing gifts that are from God that are from above, right? The more time we spend thinking on those things, the more that it influences the quality of the thoughts that we're having on a consistent basis. See, your mind doesn't ever stop, but the quality of your thoughts is key and indicative of the actions and the habits that you're forming. Show me someone that has very poor thinking all the time and a very minimized, limited you know, uh, cynical, skeptical view on things, and chances are that's the way that their thoughts typically are. So our thoughts are affected the more we think on things that are of good report, that are virtuous, or that are praiseworthy, which is fitting for praise, show God's will displayed. I mean, I you see something that, that you recognize God's hand, his fingerprint on, I mean, give him praise for it. Say, God, that is awesome. You know, that is wonderful. And what you're doing is you're, you're, you're making sure that that space, that 50,000 thoughts a day or whatever, is enriched, guys. It's enriched, and the quality is heightened and increased where you're beginning to think more deeply and, and, and more often on things through the lens or through the way. Here it is that God sees and thinks. And if we are gradually beginning to think more and see more of the way God thinks and God sees, then ultimately we're going to begin to have more of our actions, more of our habits, and thus our lifestyle be more in line with the purpose and the will that he has created us for. See, in order to live your purpose and your destiny, your thoughts have got to be have got to be quality thoughts and have got to be leading and directing in that exact area. You can't have terrible, poor thinking about all kinds of, I can't do this, I can't do that, this is impossible, oh, this is going to wreck me, this is going to be a bad thing. You can't have these kind of thoughts over and over and over again and be walking in victory and in faith all the time over the things that are happening and coming against you, right? And, and so here's what I've learned, I, and this is interesting, but, you know, positive thinking and stuff, and that's that's great, and I don't knock that. I think it's good to have positive thoughts, but here's one of the things that I've realized. It's not so much trying to reject you have to do that at times where a bad thought comes to you or a limiting thought or something that is contrary to the word of God. 
you have to reject those things, but it's not so much trying to live all the time in a defense mode where we're constantly trying to hold back bad thoughts. Get this, it's filling our thought time with the good, quality, enriching, faith-building thoughts that keeps those negative ones from having space to be able to get in there in the first place, right? I mean, it's like if you fill your mind, if you're thinking quality things and in line with what the Word of God says and you're just reflecting on things that are pure, just, noble, praiseworthy, lovely, virtuous, of good report, then you are filling your mind with things that are going to guide you and lead you more towards the life that you want to live and you're not giving place or giving space to those limiting negative things that come in that conflict with that or want to take you off course of what your purpose and destiny is. Are you with me? Amen. Everybody say amen. So here's here's what I would say. When you think about praiseworthy, just, lovely, all these things, look around you now and identify where those things are. Because as sure as you sit here today, there is there are plenty of things around you in your life. You're a child of God that you should be able to identify with and connect with that are virtuous, praiseworthy, lovely, of good report. It's it's all around you. The key is, is if, if we look and we, we actually, what do we see when we look around us? Do we see those things? Or have the blinders kind of started to become pulled down and we see all of the things that don't line up with that? Because anybody could stop, take a look around them, and, and see all kinds of negative stuff. It's, it's all over the world. I mean, you can see it. Or you can say, you know what, I'm going to focus in. I'm going to dial in. I'm going to get the focal adjustment of my lens dialed in on these things around me that are praiseworthy, just, and good report, and so on, right? We all have, and we just have to make that choice and that decision to say, you know what, I'm going to look around, and I'm going to, I'm not just going to see these things, I'm going to meditate on these things. I'm going to think deeply, and I'm going to think often, and it's going to continue to enrich the quality of my thought life, and overall, as I'm doing that, then my thoughts are going to be moving me toward the actions which are forming the habits and the lifestyle that I want to live, and that's one of faith. And so if I'm constantly putting things in that are pure, that are of God, and that's flowing into me, then that's going to continue to build my faith stronger as I go forward, and then I'm going to have more of a response of faith, almost like a reflex or a reaction. Right? How many people, when you go into the doctor, you ever done that thing where they hit you on the knee, and you know your knee jerks, kicks like that, right? Imagine that that's just how faith is in your life. Something comes at you. Faith. Faith. You're stay that. What's that kid? Squirrel. Squirrel. You know, they get distracted. What is that? Huh? Yeah. Squirrel. It's like faith. Faith. If things are coming at you and it's just like faith is the lead dog, you know? I mean, faith just jumps out in front and says, I want to lead the way in this. And it's operating out of a place of truth and a place of purity that flows out of where the word of God says about you, your life, your destiny, what God wants to do through you, and what uh, things are not true about who you are and what God wants to do through you. Amen. We have, we're really called to live in a lifestyle of faith, not just every so often, you know, a couple times a month or whatever, oh, better get my faith going, and then the faith takes the backseat or gets on the bench, and then we just live from our natural man the rest of the time. We're really called Now listen to this. Take your Bibles, open them to Romans chapter 12. 
Corinthians chapter 12 in verses 1 through 3. So, Paul says here, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now this is where this is where the powerful part for me comes in. The belief system. Right? The belief system that we have is, is there right now. It's in, it's in place for all of us. This kind of foundation of way we think of it. It's affected much by our upbringing, much by our experiences. So we all have that. And so our thoughts are, are what? Flowing out of this belief system that we talked about before. And so I want the quality of my thoughts to be enriched by what the Word of God says. But what I really want is I want my belief system, the, the way that I view the world, to really constantly be under the operating table of God. Because I want my belief system, the way I believe things are possible, what God wants to do, I want that ultimately, where everything kind of flows out of, to be so in line and so in touch and so just on the mark of what God's Word says, that that is ultimately what's going to be affecting everything else on down the line to where my lifestyle is. And see, this scripture is so powerful because Paul says, do not be conformed to the world. He says, be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. And this is beautiful because a lot of time is spent and, you know, again, I don't want to feel like I'm knocking this, but psychologists, if they want to work with people, they try to, like, untrain their belief system, retrain it. You know, much time is kind of spent with getting them to sort of, like, work through all of these issues. And that's great and all, but here is what I have found. The Word of God says if I fill myself with the Word of God, that the Holy Spirit is going to transform and renew my mind. Whoa. Renew, refresh to perform a work that's more in line with what the Word of God says, transform, actually to change the neural circuitry and the wiring of what's already in place. See, I need a supernatural process, not something that I can perform in the natural man. And when we begin to take the Word of God in and we fill ourselves with His truth, with His promises, with the things that He says about What's happening, this is great, what's happening is that our mind, our belief system is basically just being reworked gradually and steadily and consistently each time. It's sort of like breaking down the false things that conflict with what the Word of God says. Oh, fear, you know, I'm not given a spirit of fear, power, of fear, but a spirit of power and love and so on. Well, if there's anything in your belief system before that says you should just be afraid, you should live in fear, it's like it rips that thing out by the root. Truth gets in there, transforms the mind, renews it, refreshes it, and then you begin to think forward from there knowing fear has no place in your life. Thus, your actions are in line with that, 
and then you form habits that are consistent with that, and then you begin to live a lifestyle over the next months and years ahead that fear doesn't derail you ever from anything that God's called you to do. You see what I'm saying? So the Word of God, His holy, pure Word, is exactly the source that we need to saturate ourselves with and be taken in in order to see our belief system constantly under God's microscope, under his operating table, so that he fills us with the truth. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So as you take that word in, you begin to have faith built in you. It also says that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. So it forms substance. It actually builds that foundation. It reestablishes a fresh new foundation that isn't fractured, that isn't full of holes, that will stand up under any trial. And now you've got that truth in you, and you begin to affect and change all those thoughts that you are going to come from then on out through the days of your life. See, I don't... I'm not an expert in farming or whatever, but it interests me, and so I've studied some things. And you know what they say? They say that in order to get a pure harvest, you have to have what first? A pure seed, right? Now, nowadays, there's a lot of stuff that's talked about where, like, seeds are, are genetically modified, and there's not really pure crops as much anymore. But, you know, supposedly you can still get pure seeds. They're hard to come by, and they're very expensive. But if you can get a pure seed, you can get a pure crop where there's the, the, the DNA or whatever of the plant is not modified at all and it's consistent with its pure form. Now, the way I view this whole thing is the Word of God is pure. It is inspired by God. Listen to this when you look at the Word of God. It is something that is uh, operative and effective and always at work in our lives, leading and guiding us towards the purpose and destiny that God has for us. Wow. The Word of God is pure, and it's, it's operative, which means as we consume it, we're supposed to take in, what, the bread of life, which is the Word of God. As we take it in, then it be, that pure seed, that pure form, can produce a pure harvest in our lives. We want our lifestyle to be one of faith. We want our actions to be consistent of faith, of what God says, so that we're constantly kicking the enemy in the teeth and knocking him down every time he comes against us and putting him back where he belongs, which is under our feet, right? And so in order to do that, we take in that pure, see that word of God, and we begin to receive it. It reshapes our belief system, and it affects our thoughts, and they become more in line with the way God thinks and the way God sees things. Amen. Now, inversely of that, unhealthy, unhealthy outlook, right? I mean, if our minds don't stop, if there's never an idle moment, that means it's constantly going somewhere, then just as much as we can allow our thoughts to be consumed and think deeply and think often on the things of God and take in the word to affect them, we could spend the majority of our lifetime receiving what the world wants to tell us and letting the world shape letting the world shape our belief system. Oh, wait a minute. That's actually what he said. Do not be conformed, right, to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So if, if we allow ourselves to constantly just fall back into 
default mode. Because, guys, look, the, the flesh, right, always wants to go opposite of the way the Spirit of God wants to go. Bob says they're at war with each other. They're constantly opposing each other. So if we just, like, click out, check out, click it on autopilot, guess what's often going to automatically start to happen? The world is going to scream right down into your soul. It's going to feed you lies. It's going to feed you things that are contrary to what God says because it's going. the world is going to want to form your belief system for you. The enemy who influences the world, right, who is at work here in this on this earth, he wants to feed you all those things that he wants to have form your belief system. And there's so many ways we take it in. I mean, what's the, what's the quality of the TV you watch? What's the quality of the music you listen to? What's the quality of the things that you spend time in your hobbies doing and stuff, right? And, and if you look around, do they really conflict with the purpose and the destiny that you would know and say if God's Spirit lives in you, you're really called to have? It's a challenging thing. I mean, I get it. It's not, but where it really starts, where it really begins for me is in is just taking this word in step. And I have found that if I have a consistent diet of spiritual food, I have a consistent intake of God's nourishment, the bread of life, the inspired word of God. It's alive. Every time I open it and take it in, it's living and it's operative, which means it's working on me and affecting me. That as I do that often, I'm allowing the truth and the word of God to essentially collide with and just slam into any improper belief systems, improper thoughts, improper actions that I'm going to want to have because the more that that's in me, the more that I'm going to be able to say, oh, that conflicts with what the Word of God, that conflicts with the truth of God and what it says about who I am and the life that I'm called to. Does that make sense? So we, I, I just believe that we are called to be, as God's children, living in a lifestyle of faith all the time. Look at this. We'll, we'll finish in this scripture today. This is Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to read this in the Amplified Version. Verse 12, for the word that God speaks is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life, soul, and the immortal spirit, and of joints and marrow of the deepest parts of our nature exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. Stand to your feet with me today. See, God calls us, he's called us to a a place of living a purpose and a destiny that quite frankly could be performed in the natural. Your your human abilities are not capable of allowing you to walk out your purpose and your destiny in its fullness. You require a supernatural empowerment, a divine influence that empowers you and leads you and guides you along the way. And the source of constant of what we must take in, it's right here for all of us in it's, it's his inspired, in 
this is a revelation for you. Maybe, you know, you never really looked at it this way where it's like, you know, you love God, but if you really got down to it, maybe maybe your, the quality of your thoughts on a consistent basis, the majority of the things you think about are limiting, are holding you back, are, if you really examine it contrary and conflicting with what so much of the is yes. 